Um, I had a, oh, I had another one where it was a grandparent against a grandparent. And this was actually not really applicable, so maybe that's not a good story. Yeah, let's, let's try to use one that's, uh, oh, that's applicable. applicable to, the con- to the content. Okay, so. So I got the one where um, we represented maternal grandparents. And um, mom really didn't want anything to do with the, with the child, uh, but grandparents did. And there was a court order that said that mom had visitation as agreed upon by dad. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember that case? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, so basically what happened was we, dad was not letting grandparents see the child, <clears throat> wasn't let, letting him talk to him, to her, it was a girl, anything like that. And so they came to us um, to try to get grandparents' rights. Possession and access. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening was we were fighting over whether or not uh, the order, the pseudo-affecting parent-child relationship order that was in place, gave mom possession and access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where the table turned. That's a good story. That's a good case. So, Do you remember anything about it or not really? I vaguely remember when it came up, and I thought that we were on the other end of it, though. No. No? no we represented uh, maternal grandparents. Okay. Okay. So, are well, you going to we'll like, go into the it. intro? Yeah, we'll go yeah. into it. We'll go into it. Welcome to the consultation. Um, so what we're going to be talking about today is um, grandparents' rights as it relates to possession and access. Really two different codes relating to grandparents' rights. But uh, my name is Josh Floyd. This is Christina Jimenez. We're both attorneys at the Jimenez Law Firm. And um, we're just going to chat about some grandparents' rights uh, regarding possession and access. So I actually have the code out on this one because a lot of the times that when we're talking about these um, statutes or these issues, um, we're able to kind of in general explain things because they're, I guess, easier concepts. When it comes to Section 153.433 of the Texas Family Code, was that's that, off the the, top? that was off the top of my head nice, right there. Yeah, nice. I didn't look at my phone at all. Oh, cool. When it comes to that code provision um, relating to possession of or access to a grandchild, um, it is kind of hyper technical. So we want to make sure that we're going through it and we're reading it properly and we're ex- explaining it properly to you guys um, because it's kind of tricky. And I think that this is probably uh, one of my least favorite consultations to have um, because a lot of the times when we're doing that, um, I have to tell the grandparents, I'm so sorry, but I don't think that you're going to um, potentially meet the requirements of getting possession of or access to the child. And so um, 
I think it's important from the onset to kind of recognize that um, what we're talking about today is solely about visitation, right? Just to kind of put it in layman's terms. Um, like if a grandparent comes to us and says, I just want to visit my grandchild um, on the weekends or for whatever, summer, whatever, um, that's when this code provision would be applicable. If you want to have conservatorship rights, we're going to do another um, podcast on that and we'll talk about that later on. Today we're just talking about visitation. So, Yippers. shall I read the first section? Let's hear anything? it. Okay. Let's hear it. So, the court may order reasonable possession of or access to a grandchild by a grandparent if, number one, at the time the relief is requested, at least one biological or adoptive parent of the child has not had their parental rights terminated. So one parent still has rights to the child. Correct. Easy breezy, lemon squeezy. Okay. Second part. Yes. (laughs) Second part. And this is the part that um, is a bit tricky. Okay. The grandparent requesting possession of or access to the child overcomes the presumption that a parent acts in the best interest of the parent's child by proving by a preponderance of the evidence that denial of possession of or access to a child would significantly impair the child's physical health or emotional well-being. That's where it gets difficult. There's a lot to that one little statement there. Yeah. So let's talk first about overcoming the presumption that a parent acts in the best interest of the parent's child. Okay. That's a good idea. Go. So uh, there's a presumption that parents act in the best interest (laughs) of their child. Um, so a lot of court cases on this one little issue. Um, Troxel is the big one, right? Uh, U.S. Supreme Court case that really nailed down uh, that parental rights are fundamental constitutional rights of parents, right? And so it goes all the way back to the U.S. Constitution. Um, and so basically what it is, is they're going to let a parent parent their child without judicial interference. Um, and so the presumption is that that parent will act in the best interest and that courts should not get involved in how parents parent their kids, whether in this case, grandparents should get to see the grandkids, right? I mean, the parent may have reasons that the grandparent shouldn't. And the, the courts are going to leave that up to the parent's discretion. And it doesn't have to be good reasons either. Like, it doesn't that have, have to be, be good reasons. It could just be, I don't like you, and I think you're negative Nancy, and so you're not going to be around. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, for whatever reason, yeah. And so the courts really give parents that latitude. And so you've got to overcome the presumption, as the grandparent, that that parent will act in the best interest of the child, and that is one high-ass hill to climb. Yes, yes. Um, so what you have to prove is that denial of possession of or access to the child would significantly impair the child's physical health or emotional well-being. So layman's terms, if the grandparents don't get visits, the child's going to suffer serious emotional or mental damage. So that's always kind of the the frustrating um the frustrating and difficult thing for us to do, right? Is how do I show that if a grandparent is denied access that this child is going to suffer, right? Um, it and remember it can't be based on speculation it can't be of course my child my grandchild is going to suffer because um i'm grandma and they love me and they used to spend all this time with me and now that they won't they can't talk to me 
of course they're having a difficult time with it. That speculation, it's not admissible, it's not gonna be persuasive. Um, and so that is, it's very difficult to prove. And I remember, you know, one time I was um, in front of a judge over in Tarrant County and the judge was like, you know, this, this statute is basically, um, it's really not helpful to grandparents because at that particular point, um, the child had been with the parents. I think our clients hadn't had access, you know, in, in about a year or so. And if we couldn't even prove that the denial was, um, was going to cause harm to this kiddo, um, we had no other affirmative relief. We couldn't ask for a psychological examination. We couldn't ask for counseling. We couldn't ask for school records. We couldn't, there were so many things that we couldn't do because we couldn't even hit that burden, right? Um, so I guess, how do you prove it? It's difficult, right? And so it's kind of a joint issue. I don't want to get into too much of standing, right? But standing is basically a person's right to be able to file. And so you have to meet that same burden. You have to attach an affidavit to your original petition that satisfies that burden, or you don't even get it into court, right? And nine times out of 10, there's going to be a, a clean abatement. Yes. Clean abatement filed uh, when a grandparent files alleging that they can't satisfy standing. And so that's going to be your first hearing is can you satisfy standing? And that's where it gets difficult because you may not even get to an evidentiary hearing because you don't have enough facts or evidence to establish the the significant impairment element of that. Um, now there is some, I don't remember whether it's statutory or whether there's case law, but there, one of those, something out there that says that you can, as a grandparent request, counseling uh, prior to a, a court rendering on standing, right? And so that's really the only way I know to prove significant impairment unless you have like videos where you're FaceTiming and the child's like bawling saying, I miss you so much, but then that's hearsay, right? Uh, maybe there's exceptions, uh, which we're not getting into all that either. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? We go all over the damn place with this thing. Um, uh, well, and so go into the, the audio recordings and the video recordings. Um, so I had a case where I was representing the parents, and the parents did not want the um, grandparents to have access. And that was, um, we did in fact lose that one because this little kid, unbeknownst to my clients, would FaceTime um, the grandparents and was extremely emotional, extremely distraught about not being able to visit. Um, and a lot of it we were able to keep out, but some of it did come in. And I think that was enough for this judge to say, like, hey, this is, um, this kiddo is suffering significant impairment, emotional, you know, it's, it's harming their emotional well-being. And so um, I think that's helpful. We have had um, issues where um, perhaps there's like school records or there's, you know, CPS investigations or police investigations um, where perhaps it's just very clear that these kiddos are not doing well. Now, the, the difficulty is linking that up to the grandparents' denial and access and kind of the timeliness of when this kiddo was doing great and now this kiddo is doing terrible and when did we start denying possession and access, et cetera. Right, just showing that that the parents aren't treating the child right or or even just that the, the child's circumstances endanger them, right, isn't enough. You have to establish that the lack of visitation between that child and grandparents is what's causing that. And, 
it's a it's a tough tough burden. Sometimes I think, well, I don't think. I, well, we know you don't. <laughs> I knew you were gonna jump on that. Um, I know in this particular case that if you have issues like that where the kiddos are in danger or you know there's there's significant issues going on in the home, it's easier to actually fight for conservatorship rights than it is to fight for possession and access because I it's. I typically will not recommend if all that we're going after is visitation. It is very difficult for me to make that link of denial is going to hurt kiddo. And so if I can't go after conservatorship rights because parents are having major issues, I will sometimes just explain, like, I don't know that this is going to be worth the time and the energy to move forward. And this is where knowing your judge comes in, too, right? Because... The burden is the same. The legal burden is the same in every court. But I'll say that some judges are more sensitive to the, the feelings of the children than other judges, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's basically their opinion of these facts, does this harm the child? And you could have five different courts and five different opinions on that. Well, and so kind of going to that issue, um, you know, I had a, a case where allegedly, so my mother had passed and allegedly, um, there had been a service for mother, um, and also allegedly my clients knew that um, the service had um, taken place or was taking place and didn't take the child or didn't allow the child to go. And in that particular case, um, the court found that it was um, emotional impairment to not permit that. And so there were other fact issues around that particular case, but um, that was, you know, that judge made that ruling. I don't know that other judges would have done that, um, but we kind of knew walking in that that was going to be an issue for us. And although these two issues are conjunctive, right, it's an and, it's it's the overcome the presumption plus a significant impairment, they're oftentimes like joined together, like in that example you're talking about, right? So that could be used to establish that they did not make decisions that was in the best interest of the child to overcome that presumption Mm -hmm. in addition to the emotional impairment issue. Yeah. Did we beat that horse to death? Are we we good? I think so. We don't don't kill horses on this show. We don't (laughs) beat them at all to death or otherwise. Okay. So... Where did that horse joke even come from? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and he, so, she said, did we beat that horse to death? It's like recurrent. I know, because we beat a lot of horses on this show. Uh, we don't. We don't. <laughs> uh, so, and last element is the grandparent requesting possession of or access to the child is a parent of a parent of the child and... That parent of the child has been incarcerated in jail for three months before they filed their petition. Um, they have been found by a court to be incompetent. They are, um, they've passed or they do not have actual or court-ordered possession of or access to the child. So layman's terms, right? The, the child of the grandparent, right, um, has not had their rights terminated uh, and they're either dead in jail don't have possession of or access to the child and are, or are incompetent. Yeah, so um, the incarceration is fairly simple. Just make sure that 
if your kiddo, if you're the grandparent and your son or daughter is incarcerated, that you wait the requisite three-month period before you file because they have to be incarcerated for three months. Um, so that's easy breezy. Um, has found has been found by a court to be incompetent and so that's kind of when you start going into guardianship law and um was there a judge that said that they're no longer able to make their own decisions have they been found to be incompetent um you know a lot of times what um not a lot of times but what i have seen in um the past is that um that maybe a parent is uh, mentally competent but physically they're not able to kind of get around and, and things like that and we have a grandparent that's trying to come in and get possession and access that's not going to be sufficient right if you're physically disabled but you're still found to be competent to make your own decisions you're not gonna be able to hit this burden okay um do you want to talk about if they've passed away is that pretty clear uh if they passed good. away means they're no longer living very uh, good and so if they're not living anymore then you would satisfy that burden so the last one you actually had an interesting case on, and that's the does not have actual or court ordered possession of or access to the child. So that's an or. It is, yeah. So that was that was a fun case. Um, it was fun because it was a lot of argument, a lot of research. Um, but in this case, the the mother didn't have anything to do with the child, didn't exercise any visitation, and grandparents wanted to see their granddaughter. Um, there was a court order that said she had visitation as mutually agreed upon between mother and father. Um, and so their argument was she has court ordered visitation, therefore my clients, i.e. maternal grandparents, um, Wait, hold on. Their argument, so father's argument. Father's argument, yes. Father's argument was that there was visitation ordered, so maternal grandparents, my clients, um, did not, could not satisfy the burden under that statute. Um, our argument, grandparents, uh, was that the possession order that's in the, in the final order had the effect of denying visitation because there weren't specific dates, times, and locations set out in the order that mom could exercise. Um, and the court ended up siding with us on that and found that the the mother did not have possession and access, either actual or court ordered, uh, and we were able to meet. Of course, you still have to meet the other standards, right? The presumption, overcome the presumption and the significant impairment. So, we were able to satisfy that, and we got some visits. Not what they wanted, but you know, yeah. grandparents that want to come in and have a lot of visits. But even yeah. if you get it, you're not going to get a lot usually. Yeah, um, you know, and I've. So I've had cases where, um, you know, the the grandparents we filed the petition and we kind of set, you know explained to them, listen, it's not um, highly likely or it's going to be very difficult for us to be able to get this thing done, um, and you know sometimes by the, the grace of God, call it what you want. Um, we're able to satisfy those elements even when I don't necessarily think that we can or we should be able to. Um, sometimes we have a, a parent that is actually willing to work with the grandparents and they're willing to agree um, to some visitation. Um, and if, in my opinion, if you're ever in that position and you can get an agreement like that, um, you should probably take it. 
because going in and trying to litigate it is going to be sometimes or most of the time very, very difficult, right? And so, um, you know, we've I've had a case where um, at the onset of the case, we took a possession schedule um, just to kind of get our foot in the door. And, and basically, in that particular case, we were repping maternal grandparents and mom had passed. Um, and um, the we had a temporary hearing and um, we accepted very limited possession and access of these kiddos. But what ended up happening is over the course of several months, um, the father actually needed their help, right? He was, you know, working a lot. He was struggling financially. He'd had some relationship issues, et cetera. And so it ended up developing into, can you just take them the entire summer? Can you take them, um, you know, for Christmas? Can you take them to Disney World with you? Whatever it is. Um, and they were actually able to be a huge part of their grandchildren's lives um, because we started off kind of just saying we're grateful for what we can get. And then father, I think, felt more comfortable. Yeah, I think one of the problems that I have a lot of difficulty explaining or getting my clients to understand is when they come in generally, like in this the case I had, they wanted the visitation that mom would normally be awarded, right? The standard possession order. And I try to explain to them, like, you're going to get visitation like a normal grandparent would get, right? A couple weekends in the summer, right? You're not going to get a Christmas day. That's for the parents. You may get the day after Christmas for, for some time. You know, just like if the parents were together and they, they go over to the grandparents' house, maybe Christmas evening or the day after or Christmas Eve or whatever, right? That's what you're going to get generally speaking you're not going to just fill in for the missing parent right yeah and in one of the the cases where i was repping um the the father and the maternal grandparents were coming in trying to um take the kiddo that's what they were asking for right? it was a standard possession order and um they, it was they had a really good case had some pretty strong arguments and judge was kind of like you know listen you'll be able to see him because it's important that your your granddaughter uh, knows who you are um, but they did not get, and most judges are not going to do that. No. Yeah, they're not going to interfere with the, the parents' rights to visits. So, like we always say, um, don't accept this as legal advice, right? If you are a grandparent um, and you're contemplating getting some sort of possession of or access to your grandchild, go and talk to an attorney. Um, tell them your story. Tell them your, your fact pattern. And... Um, let them make the decision. It's important, I always think, to go to a local attorney in the county that you reside in, um, or the grandchild in that case resides in, um, so that that attorney can tell you, like, I know this court, and this court is a fan of grandparents, and they will likely be inclined to give you um, some visitation, or, you know, I've litigated litigated this case a 100 times, and you're not gonna get visitation, so don't waste your time and money, right? Um, so find a good attorney, um, talk to them about your case, and, um, don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcast, everywhere you find us. Um, please just like and follow. And thanks for watching.